All right. Good morning. That was a good word, Jade. All right. Okay. So um, Jade uh, gave us that word. She brought that to us earlier this week, and we just said that's that resonates with our church. What, what a lot of people have been going through for this year, and and what is going on. But um, God gave Sarah and I a word for um, 2018. What where we were going to go, what we needed to do, and, and part of that was was creating rhythm. Creating rhythm is, um, if, any, if we have any musicians in here, you know what it's like. You get the metronome, tick-tock, 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 and, you, and you, you try to stay on beat and stay on cadence with that. Um, but a, a rhythm is a strong, regular, repeating pattern. It creates consistency. And consistency is, is key for um, our lives. If we're not consistent in something, it, it, you ever not been consistent in something? I, I have been, and you're just like, yep. And then you're like, well, why isn't this working out? Because consistency creates a regular rhythm of something going. If we don't consistently go to work, we consistently don't have a job or a paycheck. You know, it just kind of works that way. Um, but it, it's, the rhythm is something that if you know music or if you ever listen to music and you can catch that rhythm, like I watched my daughter Layla, she's not here today, but she can c- create rhythm from the, fir- the first moment, like first two seconds of that song, she can get that rhythm down because she's got that natural ability to hear music and play it. She can get that rhythm down and she's got that rhythm and she can sing along even without hearing what the rhythm is and, and she c- can create a beat out of just out of the first couple seconds of hearing it and she just goes with it and it's like, how does that girl do that? But she's so well at hearing, God's given her that gift to hear that she can do that. But Rhythm is a measured flow. You get into the rhythm and it gives you a constant and then you can add to the melody. So what we need is, is some, for us to be consistently moving forward in what God is asking us to do and what he's called us to do. And then we can add the little pieces in. The, the, if you ever heard a, a song, you love a song, but if you heard it broken apart each section, everybody thinks, oh, when, I, when they played this song, everybody got in the room together and they played this song and it was great. No, it doesn't work that way. The drums goes in and they lay a drum track, then they lay keys, and then they lay guitar. I'm not in this order, but they break it apart. Not every song is created with everybody in a room. Most songs you hear on the radio are created separately. One guy over halfway across the country lays down drum tracks, and then they dub those drum tracks in for the guy who's playing guitar, and then they, they dub everything in. So what happens is, is we need to get a consistent flow, a consistent rhythm, and then we can add in all the little pieces into our lives. Without a consistent flow, those little pieces never will stick in our lives. When, when we put money first, and when we put family first, and when we put um, our jobs first, we put uh, recreation first, it creates a rhythm, but it's not a consistent rhythm. But when we put God first, it create, and we, when we focus on Him, it creates a consistent rhythm. So everything else comes in, and it creates a melody. But if you put everything else first, God comes in a second, and, and everything sounds like a, a death metal song. If you, for, and, and it's like, that doesn't even match up. And it doesn't sound good sometimes. And God's saying, I, if, you, if you put me first, it's a consistent rhythm in your life. So a, a rhythm is a sequence of notes, and it's, it's satisfying, it, and it, it encourages you, and it makes it sound like a whole. And God says, I need you to con- be able to cre- create a consistent rhythm so I can make you whole. So he's going to add in the family, he's going to add in the job, but it's not going to be focused on them, it's going to be focused on him, and the harmony is which is the combination of notes in your life. Once you have rhythm, you can create new things. You always have to have a starting point to come back to if distractions become present. 
we focus on God because when distractions come into our life, we can come back to him and say, you know what, this is the rhythm. He is the starting point. He is the starting point of this rhythm, and I'm going to stay in that rhythm and allow him to add into it to create a, a, a sound in me and become um, something new that he wants in me because a lot of times when we don't, our lives become up and down. And it becomes, you ever had a, like a three-year-old banging on the piano? Ding, dong, ding. And, and our, yeah, when, uh, when our, we were younger, we had a piano in our house and my sister would go back there and you know, you hear, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's just like shut the door, we don't want to hear it. But without God as our, as our focus and our rhythm, it sounds like a, a three-year-old on a piano. That's not, a, and I'm not saying that a three-year-old can't be good at the piano, but most three-year-olds do not sound good at a piano. I don't sound good at a piano. So don't let me be your rhythm. Let God be your rhythm and focus on him. And he creates a melody in you that is sweet sounding. The rest of you who didn't agree, it's okay. It'll be good at the end. You didn't agree? Oh, well. Too bad. So sad. You already sat down. You're stuck. So the word Jade gave, and that was, it. Was, Jade, thank you. It is hard, isn't it, to get up there. It's scary at first. You think, these people aren't going to like me. Don't worry. They're going to like you, you know? And if they don't, they have to go through us. So. And like he said, his face is made for radio. It can be scary. That was, you know, but that takes a lot to get up and share something that God has spoke to you. Because it's like, well, I know it, but, they, you know, so thank you for doing that. And I think that is exactly, you know, last year, some of us may have felt like that was a hard year. Some good things happened, but I'm having a hard time remembering what they were because a lot of other things happened and they weren't as great, you know, or they were hard or they were just, I don't want to do that. I want to go this direction. And God's like, yeah, you'll get there. But first we got to go through some uh, valleys here. Um, to get you prepared. So, you know, and that doesn't mean, you know, you can have radical faith. You can have, you know, amazing courage and still have a difficult year. Still, still have things that happen. It doesn't mean, well, you had some bad things that happened. I wonder how you sinned. No, that does not mean that. Do you know what I mean? It's not, that's not the truth. You could be amazing in your faith and have all of these crazy things going on and you're thinking, God, are you still walking with me? You need to get a little closer. Walk a little closer. <laughs> Something's going on here. Um, so how do we get through these difficult seasons um, when things go wrong? Like, if it had an engine, you knew it was going to break. I don't know. If it was like 2017, it was like, you know, seven is like perfect completion. Like, I don't know if God was saying everything that had an engine, it was done. It was like, oh, you know, <laughs> moving on to something new. <laughs> I'm just joking. But it just, it seems, not, so, see, well, expect something new this year. You're getting a whole new engine instead of trying to rebuild the old one. That's a word for you, Cody. Whew. So, oh, sorry, my contacts just kind of rolled. Give me a second. I can see, I can see now. Um, it can be really discouraging and overwhelming. Like, and people are just telling you all the great stuff, and you're coming to church, and people just encourage you, and you're like, yeah, and then I go home, and I'm like, where do I start in this mess? And you think, I just got through this, I had faith for this, and then something else happens, and it just piles up. Um, In Proverbs 13, this uh, 12, and it says... Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. 
when every time we're hoping and believing for something and then the opposite happens, it like makes our heart sick. Like, God, I was trusting you for this. You know, I trusted you to take care of this. I, I, I walked in this, I did everything, and now it looks like everything's going the opposite direction. Man, that makes your heart sick. You know, but then he says in there, he says, but when that longing is finally fulfilled, it's like that tree of life, it's growing. Something can grow now. Sometimes God's got to cut some things off. You know, he's got to have you go through some moments to have a testimony so that you can grow. He's not going to cut you to a stump where nothing can grow. He's just going to trim you up. Now you can grow. You can produce something now. Um, so when you're in those seasons, it seems like uh, we begin to expect things to go wrong. You ever been there? Like you're, you're saying, oh, God's going to take care of this for me. But in the background, you're like, oh, this is probably going to happen. I bet you I'm going to hit a deer. I bet you my car is going to break down. What else is going to happen? You know what I mean? And you're like, oh, this bill's probably not going to be, you know, in your head. That's what you're saying to yourself. Outward, you might be saying, oh, yeah, everything's good and great. And I'm going to feel good tomorrow. And you wake up sick and you're, you know, if you've ever had a length of sickness, you, you're asking and you're like, okay, I'm going to feel better tomorrow. But in your pit, you're thinking, I'm going to feel worse tomorrow. I'm going to wake up sick again. How am I going to handle this? If anyone's had a link of sickness or injury that's lasted a long time, you're like, okay, I don't want it to be, but you're kind of expecting it. When things just seem to go wrong over and over, you're almost expecting the negative to happen after a while. You kind of get this sense of foreboding comes over you, this like impending doom, like, what next? Because I know something else is coming. I have had like almost three minutes of great time going on here. Nothing's happened. Something is going to happen. Do you know what I mean? Like when you say, you know, I went through, you know, I, I went skiing and, you know, I didn't fall once. And as you're like walking to the car to take the ski off, you know you're going to fall, right? It's kind of like that. Or you say, man, I went the whole winter without slipping on the ice. You know, it's spring. You get one more frost and down you go. It's kind of like that. We're like kind of expecting. It's like there's this impending doom. So we don't want to turn what bad circumstances or, or um, trials or attacks we've had in 2017, we don't want to bring them into 2018, right? You guys do not want to bring that stuff. I left mine in 2017. It tried to come in, and I was like <laughs> shut in the door. I'm like, no, 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 no. You know what I mean? I don't want to bring that stuff. I'm going to... 2018 is a new year. Eight, refreshing. That means something new. That is the newness, new beginnings. Guess what? I'm not bringing the old stuff like Jade said. You know, the things that you didn't know you were captive in, you are set free. So you have new areas of freedom that you're going to explore this year. Next year, you'll probably even have some more you didn't know were there. Every year, God's going to do that for you. So um, we have to look and say, what? What fear are we carrying around from last season that could cause chaos in this next season? You know, Job said, you know, what I feared has come upon me. He loved God. I mean, he was an upstanding man of God. But he said, what I thought about, what I thought was going to happen, it's happened. You know, um, King David, you know, he became king. And, you know, 
things that he did in a previous season. You know, he took somebody's wife, and what happened to the child in the next season? The child died. He took that fear of his sin into the next season instead of falling before the Lord in repentance and saying, I don't want this, I'm not taking this, or standing up and saying, you know what, no. I don't have to take what was the past into the next season. You know, Moses, he actually did good at that, good with that. He, you know, he ran away, he did all of these things, but when he came into the new season, you know, he didn't bring his old self. He said, I'm coming with God, I'm coming with authority, I'm coming in front of, you know, Pharaoh, and I'm saying, here's what we're going to do. And every time, you know, there was a little pushback, he came again and again and again. Because he said, I'm not bringing the old season where I run and hide for years into the new season. So we're not going to bring the things that caused us pain, discomfort, you know, that kind of wreaked chaos on our life. We're not bringing them into this new season. So whatever fear you're carrying, we're going to close that door. You know, fear, all it is is just faith working in the wrong kingdom. You know, you get to choose. It is faith. So, like, you see people who are really full of fear. They're really great at faith, just in the wrong kingdom. So maybe you can encourage them in that. Like, you ever see the people that want everything always down, you know? Just be like, you're really, you are faith. You are high in faith. And they'll be like, what? Be like, you are super good. You have good faith. We just got to decide which kingdom you want to put it in. You can encourage people in anything. So... How do we get out of this loop that sometimes we feel like we're on? You know, Matt gave the word about rhythm. We need a new rhythm sometimes. We've got to quit banging on the piano. We need a new rhythm, a steady rhythm. How do we get out of that thinking something's going to happen, something bad's going to go on, instead of something good is going to happen this year, something great is going to go on. There's going to be a change in my life for the better, instead of thinking, I don't know what else could go wrong, but it probably will. We're going to change that. So how do we do that? How do we get out of that? Um, So the first thing I thought about is we got to look for Jesus in the hard times. When things are hard, we got to look back and say, what miracles, what things has God done for me? We need to be reminded of who our king is and what he has done. I mean, sometimes I just have to write them down because I'm like, I can't see anything in all the craziness that's going on. But man, when I sit and say, wow, like in every attack we've had, we've never been homeless. We've never went without, you know, food. We've never, you know, like when I have dealt with sickness, it hasn't been to the point, you know, where we've lost our lives. You know what I mean? Our children are healthy. Oh my gosh, God, you have, you know what, you provide and cars, you provided finances, you've provided health, you know what, you've provided rest, all of these things that he has done and the miracles that he has given us this year, it, it reminds you, you need to be reminded when it's like, well, this went wrong, this went wrong, this went wrong. Start saying, this went right, this went right, this was amazing, this was a miracle, I can expect for more and more and more, and when people say no, when people speak negative over me, I already have a list of things to say, no, that's not what's going on, this is what's going on this season. Get your list going. If you're in the middle of, you know, a season, get your list going. Remind, remind yourself who your king is and what God has done for you. 
And the next thing is cultivate that thankfulness no matter what. No matter what. That's hard to have that joy and thankfulness when you don't feel like it. No matter how bad the last season was, there is something to be thankful for. And we need to remember that. You know, don't remember it when you're hungry and stuff because all you're going to remember, you know, when you're, when you're kind of like just snippy and angry with everything, you got to stop and say, wow, I'm thankful for this. When you start counting the things that, well, we don't have or this didn't happen or why didn't this and, you know, instead of saying, wow, but this and this and this and I'm so thankful. You know, everybody in this room has a list longer than you can even imagine of things we're thankful for just because you live in this country, you know. And you can start anywhere, anywhere. So Matt's going to go on with a few more things of how to get out of that loop of negativity because we're going in, everybody in this, we are collectively moving into this season with joy, with expectation, and we're going to be on that same rhythm, which is God's rhythm. And, you know, it's going to change not just our lives, but the community, the people around us, and it's going to continue to grow and grow. Amen. That's good. Um. So number three, Sarah went over the first two. Uh, number three is spend time with positive people. Yeah. They'll help keep your faith in the right kingdom. And Sarah had mentioned the kingdoms, and, and her and I were talking about this. I, I talked to her, and then I don't remember if it was yesterday or the day before or whatever, so I, I lose track of time when it comes to uh, conversations a lot of times. I'll be like, yeah, last year, and like, that was like three weeks ago. I'm like, oh, yeah, that, 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 totally, was, that was totally three weeks ago. But we were talking about this, and I said, um, when she was kind of going, we were going over this, I said, well, there's three different kingdoms. What kingdom, what kingdom are we living in? There is the kingdom of darkness, which we know who rules over that and, and has his uh, reign there, the kingdom of this world, and then the kingdom of God. And a lot of people try, try to, to put the kingdom of this world and the kingdom uh, of darkness in the same thing. But here's the thing. Satan doesn't own us. Well, we can, we can go into his kingdom and serve him, or we can go into the kingdom of this world and just be so caught up in the world that we don't even realize that there is a light and there is a dark. Because, and what happens is, is this, our society has become so much like that, that they become caught up in the kingdom of this world. It's, it's making money and, and uh, you know, getting the next biggest thing and doing that. And, it, and it's not the kingdom of darkness per se, but it's the kingdom of this world. And they get so bought up and so tied up in it that they don't realize that there's a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light that are fighting for their souls. Sorry, my daughter just messaged me. Um, not this one, the other one. Um, get it out of here. Um, so we need to spend time with people who are going to be positive. There, there's this, this guy I work with, and I doubt he's ever going to listen to this, so I can say this. Um, he's like Debbie Downer. We went to a couple... Uh, ever, if you guys remember Saturday Night Live from about 10 years ago, there was always this skit and, and they would be like, oh man, this is a great car, but the crash rating on it is this. Wah, wah, wah. And, and we went to a couple uh, shows for my work and, and their uh, manufacturer shows. And we're going through all these different RVs and looking at all these things. And I'm like, this is really great. And he's all like, but this is like this and everything I said. So we're walking out of one of them and he said this. I said, I said you know what? I'm just going to start calling you Debbie Downer because everything we talk about always has a negative to it. 
He never said a word to me after that. I was like, that's right. You know what? But that's what, that's what we have to think about. Do you have people that are speaking negative over every positive in your life? You know, we, ha- we have to look for the positive in things. I'm, you know, like I'm going into this RV and, and I'm looking at it saying, okay, this is the positive of it. And all he sees is what's bad about it because not everything is perfect. But we need people that are going to look for the good in our lives and the good in their own lives and, and draw that out, not draw the negative out. You've ever had a friend that all they draw out is the negative in you? You get together and you're like, I never say that. But when you're with that friend or with that group of people, you're like, man, they're drawing something out of you that is not positive. You need people that are going to build you up and say, you know, I see this positive in your life and I'm going to pull on that. That's what discipleship is. They see a positive, they see it, and they draw that out of you. And you need friends like that. We need people in our life. We need people in our church. We need people at our work. We need people everywhere that are going to see the positive in things and it will help you keep your faith on track. Because if somebody's always negative, you're going to be like, oh, well, yeah, I don't know. Always talking about their, their problems with their relationships or their problems with their money or their family or whatever. All they're talking about is that. It's going to start to wear on you and it starts to, to draw you in. But we have to be wise enough to say, you know what? No, I'm going to stop that. Um, I'm not going to be drawn in that way. Uh, and we can stop that at, at the door because what happens is sometimes when we're around people, there's a spirit of negativity on them and we won't even know, but we pick that up and then we bring it back to our house. We bring it back to our work. We bring it back to our, our marriage or our, our whatever. And, we, and then we start and we're like, this is not us. Sarah, a couple years ago, Sarah and I were talking and we started arguing. And like, this is not who we are. Why are we arguing about this stuff? And, and it was like, we had to stop and think, who were we around? Where were we at? And what was going on? And we had to sense it in the spiritual realm and saying, you know what? No, this was negative and we're not going to bring ourselves into this place anymore. We're going to bring ourselves around people who are going to draw out the positive. If you're having a bad day, they're going to be like, you know what? You're going to have a good day. If you have a bad marriage, they're like, you're going to have a little bit better marriage tomorrow. They're, they're going to draw that out of you. So we need friends who are going to think in the kingdom of light, the, the kingdom of heaven. They're going to draw positives out of you. Number four, we need to pray. Not mean just like, you know, lobbing prayers up to God. You ever seen the, I love watching TV and movies because when they pray, it's always like, God, I've never really prayed much, but if you could help me out, and that's like 99.999% of the prayers that you see on TV. I'm not really a prayer. I haven't prayed in a while, but remember me, I need your help. No, we can't do that. Those prayers... God knows who you are. He doesn't need to be reminded of who you are. He knows you. He created you. He, he kind of has an idea of what you're going through. Um, we need to talk to God. We need to pray in the Spirit. We need to read devotional prayers, books on prayer, devotionals on prayer, because God is so um, interested in hearing from us. We were talking with Ed and Sally yesterday, and, and she was saying how, you know, like about God should know everything you're going through, but we need to bring our petitions to God. We need to bring our troubles to God because he wants to hear from us. He knows everything, but he's waiting for us to communicate with him. He's waiting for us to bring it to him and lay it at his altar and say, Lord, I need this. I need you to take care of this. I need your help in this. I need your guidance in this. I need your wisdom in this. That's what he's waiting for you to do. Prayer is bringing what you have in in your life to him. It's prayers of thanksgiving. It's prayers of need. It's prayers of rejoicing. But he needs those to be brought to him. The Lord's Prayer. Think about this. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That is a, a, a powerful prayer. If you have faith behind that prayer, that prayer is so powerful. We need to start praying scripture over our lives. 
We need to pray over our family. We need, you know, my kids don't know this, but a lot of times I'm, I'm the one that goes to bed last in the, in the house. I'm always up till like one o'clock in the morning unless my wife says, I'm going to bed. Will you lay with me just for a minute? And then I fall asleep because I, you know, if I, if I lay down, I'll go to sleep. But if I'm up, I'll get stuff done. So a lot of times I'll be walking around the house. My kids, Lana's probably like, this is creepy, but I will go up while she's sleeping and pray over her. Yeah, it's been a little different now that she has a little dog because the dog will bark at me sometimes if I come creeping up the stairs, you know, making a little bit of noise. But my kids, when they're sleeping, I go in, I lay hands on them and I'm praying over them and I'm praying over my family because you know what? The Lord wants to hear that. And you know what? I make that a priority in my life is to pray over my family. But he wants to hear from you. He wants to know what, what you're doing. He, he says even in his scripture, remind him. He doesn't need reminding, but he's reminding you. Thank you again. I appreciate that. That was a good word. And he wants, to be remind, he wants you to know what he has already said about you. He's drawing out what is, he's already said about you out of you so you remember what he's saying. So just pray. Don't be like, oh God, you know, remember me? Prayed about a year ago when I needed something really quick. He wants a daily uh, time with him. And it doesn't have to be this long, drawn-out prayer where you're, you know, praying with a cloth over your head and kneeling against your bed like you see in all the... Uh, growing up, there was this book, and it was like this children's bedtime stories, and it, sh- it showed this kid praying, and they're like this thick, and they're like from like the 70s, and my dad would read them, and it always showed little Johnny, and he's, he's praying against the... He's leaning against the bed, and his elbows are on the bed, and he's got his hands folded, and he's got his eyes closed, and he's bound like this. I'm like, you can't do that in your car. You can't do that when you're in a meeting. And you're like, God, I need you right now. Hold on. Lord, please help. You, know, you can't do that. God says pr- prayer is not just folding your hands and bowing your head over your bed and, and praying. He's like, I need you to communicate, me, communicate with me when you need me. And that might be sometimes when you're in your car driving down the road. Lord, I just want to run this guy off the road because he's being a jerk. But please help me. Give me patience. Give me uh, the ability to, to handle my temper. Sometimes it's in a meeting when you're like, I don't know what to do, Lord, but you need to give me wisdom. And he drops wisdom on you when you need it. Sometimes it's like, okay, how do I deal with this situation at home? And it's like, he's like, oh, Lord, help. You're like, Lord, help me with the Spirit. Give me the wisdom. And he, the Holy Spirit gives you the, the, the wisdom you need or the, the person you need to talk to to deal with that. So he's asking, pray, just pray. Talk to me. Make it a daily thing. Make it a minute thing. Make it every hour, whatever it is, but communicate. Communicate with him. So number five is look for God's promises and hold on to them. And I don't mean hold on to them like, I kind of got it. I mean like, like you're going to have to, like uh, Charlton Heston said, from my cold dead hands when I white knuckle it, it, it you're going to have to pull it from my hands. I won't let go of it until I'm dead. That's how we hold on to God's promises. We don't just hold on to them like, la, 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 here. And what happens is we do that sometimes. We're like, oh, I got God's promises. And the devil goes by and snatches it out of your hand. He's like, ha, ha, I got it. And you're like, oh. Yeah, you know, you guys all know this. If you had a brother or sister, they'd be holding on to something that you wanted. You just run by and grab it and run off. If you got dogs, they do the same thing. That dog will be chewing on a toy. The other dog will come in there, snatch it real quick and run off. But we have to hold on to his promises with our, our white knuckle them. We can't just be like, well, I got, look what I got. A pretty promise and just hold on to it. And then it gets st- stolen from us. We hold on to that. And that, that holding on to his promises doesn't mean just like, look what I've got. I got a promise. It means 
what is his promise to you? Talking about it, confessing it, speaking it over your life. But people are like, oh, I got a promise. I'm going to put it in my pocket right here. And the devil goes by and goes, whoop, I got it. Because we don't hold on to it. Jesus says, seek and ye shall find. His promises are there for us. We need to look for them and find, so we can find them. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 7 through 8, says, just ask and it will be given to you. Seek after it and you will find it. Continue to knock and the door will be open. All who ask will receive. All those who seek, they will find. Excuse me, those who seek, find what they seek for. And he who knocks, the door will be opened. I love that. He says, continue to knock. He doesn't say, you ever walked up to a door and you just go, At our house, we don't have a doorbell. We just have three dogs. And um, they let us know even when people aren't there. Um, you know, shadow moves and they're all like, you know, about ready to kill somebody. But he says knock. And he's not saying, you ever had somebody at your door and you don't realize they're there and they have to stick their head in because they don't knock? They just go, you know, like not at my house. My house, you just bang on the door or come to the other door and, and, and wave to us so we can see. Um, probably should get a doorbell eventually, but... Um, <laughs> Jesus says, continue to knock. Sometimes somebody is home and they don't realize you're there, so you have to continue to knock. Sometimes your promise is behind that door and you have to continue to knock until that door is opened. Persistent widow. What did she do? She didn't go up to the judge and go, oh, by the way, can you take care of that for me? And then never show back up. She continually went back. And I'm just using this analogy, knocking on his door. Judge, judge, judge. And he's probably like, just go away. He finally gave her what she wanted because she kept knocking at his door, going to him saying, I need this. I need this. He's finally like, just get her out of here. Give, it, give her what she wants. I don't want her coming to my house anymore. I don't want her knocking on my office door anymore. So Jesus is saying, when you knock, or don't just go, okay, waiting for my promise to open the door. You knock, 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 knock until that door is opened to you. Because Jesus says, he goes, those who seek, They'll find what they seek, and he who knocks, the door will be open. But it's not good enough sometimes. Sometimes you have to use your fist and just bang on the door. You ever had that house, you know, you know they don't hear you, so you just bang on the side of the house to, to get their, uh, their attention? Yeah, that, that's what I do. Every now and then I'll be standing at the window outside, and I'll be like feeding the horse or out in the garage or something like that, and I don't want to go all the way around, so I'll go up to the window on the side of the house and go bam, bam, bam on the side of the house, and they all, the dogs jump on the couch and freaking out, and, but it got their attention. They figured out that I was there. And sometimes we have to be persistent in knocking and go to a different spot on the door and go, okay, I'm not going to use the knocker because nobody can hear me with that. I'm going to beat on the door until someone knows, until it is open to me. Bill Johnson says, but there are, are an, there's another part of the equation when Jesus says, or excuse me, when um, in Proverbs it says, it's the it is the glory of kings to search out the matter. So we think, okay, seeking you shall find, there's things that are hidden in God's word and in, in his scripture for us. It says, we are kings and priests of God. So we are his workmanship. We are priests under the new covenant we have. We are priests. We are his um, priests on this earth. Our royal identity never shines brighter than when we pursue hidden things with the confidence that we have the legal access and right to those things. So, the persistent widow, she knew she, what she wanted. We know what our prom, we can go to the Bible and see what our promises are. What he's saying is it's our, our, it's our legal right to have access, access to those things. So when we knock on that door, 
We're not knocking going, well, can I have them? You're saying, where are they? Because I'm going to go get them. When you're knocking on that door, you're not knocking on a stranger's door. You're knocking on the father's house. You're knocking on a door of the father's house. And and when the door is open, you're, you're not going, well, can I have them? You're just going, I know they're in there. I'm going to get them. You don't wait at the door of your parents' house and go, oh, can I come in? Um, Mercy, when she first started coming out to her youth group a lot of years ago, she, w- she would never come in the house. She would always knock on the door and wait, f- look outside and like, can I come in? I'm like, why are you waiting out there? And, and, and some people still do that. I'm like, if you know us, you don't knock on that outside door and then just wait for us. You always come into the entryway because if we know you, why knock on the door? Why, why do you need to knock on the door to come in our house? So she would used to wait out there. I'm like, why do you wait out there? Well, it's, it's rude. No, I said, it's not rude. Because we've given you that permission to come into our house without knocking because you are welcome. And so when, the father, when Jesus says, knock on the door, he's saying, knock on the door, I'm going to open it to you, but when, when it's opened up, come on in. So we seek out what his promises are. We look for those things, and when we find them, we knock on the door, and when it's opened up, we go in and we take them. You know, we used to have... Um, a lot of kids, they would come into our, our house and they would just get in our fridge. And I, you know, it's like, okay, where'd all the food go? We just bought groceries. We just bought groceries yesterday. And um, if you have more than one kid, you know what that's like. Um, uh, the Elvises with two boys, you probably never had food in the house because they just eat everything when it, was, when it was there. You guys know what it's like to have multiple children in the house and they just eat. I'm like, we'd have youth kids come in. I'm like, didn't we just buy groceries yesterday? Yeah, they came and ate this, 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 and this. You know, I'm like, okay. They, they felt comfortable enough to go into the house when we allowed them to come into the house and eat food. Because you know what? It was a comfort thing. It was, it was a feeling of comfort when they went in there. So we should have the confidence that when we knock, that when the door is open to us, it's not, we don't just go, okay, the door is open. Can I come in? It's, I'm going to go in. I'm going to take what my promises are. I'm going to hold on to them. We have legal access to them. It's not, oh, well, you know, we're kind of, uh, we'll decide when you get in here if you can do it. God says, they're yours. So Jesus answered them and he said, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. We as believers have legal access to the realm of God's mysteries. The hidden things are placed in waiting for a believer to discover. They are ours as an inheritance. So when he says, seek and you shall find. He's saying, seek out the mysteries of the kingdom. Find out the things that you don't know because they're yours to access. The, those blessings, those promises are yours. Sometimes, you know, it's like, okay, I'm dealing with the situation. It's like, what do I, what do I, how do I combat this situation? How do I um, battle this situation with, with God's word? And it's like, sometimes we don't know. And it's like, oh, and we talk to somebody. It's like, oh, revelation. Now I know what it is. I can now take a hold of what these promises are what our, my inheritance is, and use it to battle the situation that I'm going through. So if we don't seek, we're never going to find. If we don't knock, we don't get access. As our father, he doesn't say, well, you know, you know there's certain things in our house that's like, okay, kids, this is for lunch. You don't eat this when you come home. These are for making lunches. You've got to stay out of this a little bit. But God says, you know what? I give you everything you need to eat in front of you. Seek it out. Find out what it is. Seek me through the Spirit, and I'm going to reveal what you need for your area. And he doesn't say, well, you can't have this, and you can't have this. You know, this is only for this time of 
of your life. He gives you everything because he's waiting for you to seek out that mystery. Because no matter what situation we're going through, no matter how mature as a believer, there's always going to be something that God reveals to us and we seek out and we find that God is going to help us out through our situation, whether you're two or, or, or 80. God is going to give you, there's going to always be mysteries that God is going to reveal to you through his word on how to deal with the issues that you have in your life and, and to be able to hold on to his promises. We have legal access. That means we have rights. We have rights as sons and daughters of God to come into his house and say, oh, by the way, I need this. I remember as a kid growing up, it was like, okay, if I, if, um, and, and I'm saying this because I, I'll explain it in a minute, but when we were kids, we could never get in the refrigerator. If you went, you, it was literally, you had to ask for a glass of milk, and the only thing you could get was a glass of milk, or you could get water. And it was, it was such a controlled atmosphere that it was always like, well, you had to ask for anything. So what happened when uh, they weren't looking? <laughs> you get in the fridge, you get in the pantry, because you had to ask for everything. That's not how the Father's house works. The Father's house works where everything is laid out for you. Da- David says he, lays, he prepares a table before, uh, in the presence of my enemies. So he's saying everything is for you on this table and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you in front of your enemies. So all your promises, all your blessings, everything are laid out before you and all you have to do and they're literally in front of your enemies. So the, in my childhood, everything was, was locked off. Oh, you can't get in there. You can't get in. You can't have this. You have to ask for this. You have to ask for this. And it's like, I just want a glass of milk. I don't need to ask for a glass of milk. And, you know, my mom would control that situation. And, and don't get me wrong, my, my mom has gone through a radical change in her life and and God has really grabbed a hold of her life, and it's, it's different, you know. Even my kids remember a couple years ago, be like, can I have some pop? Oh, here, here's a half a can of Coke, and you know, there's the other half a can of Coke for each of you. If you want more, come back later. And it was, instead of giving her just one can of pop, it was, here, here's a half a cup. If you drink that, then you can, if you want more later, you can have more later. And I'm like, God's house is not that way. And, and, and as my wife knows, I, um, I have a, a little bit of a... Um, uh, a rebellious streak in me when it says, oh, you can't have that? I'm like, oh, yes, I can. Um, that, that's why I ate like eight no-bakes last night. I mean, I was just like, you know, I'm like, I probably shouldn't eat these, but I'm going to. Um, and so if someone told me you can't have a glass, of pop, a glass of milk, I'd be like, I'll wait for you to go to the bathroom. I'm going to get me a glass of milk. I may not get it in a glass. I may just chug it right out of the gallon, but I'm going to get that. I'm going to get what I need. And, and because restrictions were put in place you had to hide the things that you wanted you needed or you wanted god says you know what they're they're here for you you have free access to them so don't you don't have to hide you don't have to to go behind god's back to get what you want not that you're going to go behind god's back because he's like a mom he's got eyes in the back of his head (laughs) and he knows what you're going to do before you're going to do it but he says my promises are all open for you go into my house go into my cupboards go into my and grab what you need because my promises are for you. Seek them out and, I'll, and you'll find them. I'm not going to tell you where they all are, but I'm going I'm to allow you access to those when you want them. And I believe that God wants to, to change how we view Him. We, we can view Him as Father, we can view Him as Lord, but he, he, I think every one of us can change how we can grow in our, in our experience of Him and how we see Him even more as a Father because that's what He wants us to, to see Him as. Because servants ask, sons go and get. Servants are like, well, what, what are we doing today? 
this. Sons are like, hey, when do we get to go do this? So he wants us to have a mindset of sons and daughters so we don't go, well, can I have this? No, he goes, you're my son, you're my daughter. Free access, go. We need to, we need to grow in our, in our understanding and our identity as sons and daughters this year because God is saying, my promises are there for you. Have your identity, grow in your identity so you can find those. What are you expecting this year? Sarah put a little note in one of the parts that she was talking about, and it didn't make any sense um, where, where the area she was talking about. I said, what is your expectation? For, excuse me. What expectation is your fruit of faith? So what are you expecting? What are you believing for? What are you believing to change this year? What are you saying? In 2018, this is not... This is not going to be the way I was last year. This is not going to happen in my life. And if it does, I'm going to respond to it differently than I did last year. 2018 is bringing changes for people. Some in big ways, some in little ways. But God is saying it's going to change. But how are you going to expect? What are you going to expect from God? Because as children, they kind of expect, we expect from our parents when we're kids. You know, our kids expect us to, you know, feed them and, you know, clothe them and, and send them to school and, you know, make them brush their teeth. And, you know, some of them we don't have to remind as much as the others, but um, it's just, you know, some of them take care of themselves a lot easier. And, and it, but other times it's like, did you brush your teeth? Oh yeah, I probably should brush my teeth. You know, like I was, I was saying to, um, I don't remember who I was talking to, but I said, yeah, I, um, I, I didn't do anything all, that one day. I just hung around the house and, and went and, um, I forgot to brush my teeth. And my kids are like, did you brush your teeth today? I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot to brush my teeth today. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh great. And so, yeah, yeah. So God is saying, expect something. He expects something from us. We're part of a family. We don't, it, as, our, as parents, we expect something from our kids. As, as, par- as children, we expect something from our parents. God's saying, expect, I expect something from you. Expect something from me. We're, we're not going to go in and go, well, whatever you give me, God, I'll be okay with. That's not faith. That's just like, you know, whatever happens. It's like rolling the dice saying, okay, God, if I get a six, I get this. If I get a two, this happens. God's saying, no, expect from me because I'm going to expect from you. When our faith is, is active, he's like, oh, wait a minute. They're believing for this. I, they have expectation for this. Now I can, I can go in and take care of them says it's possible to please God without faith. So what are you believing for? What are you in faith for this year? 2017 was a hard year for a lot of people. It was a trying year for a lot of people. And 2018 may have trials, but how are we going to, to go in with them? Is our faith increased from last year? Is our, is our belief that God is going to handle the situations stronger than it was last year? What are you expecting? Let's pray.